Hi there, it's Melvin. Just wanted to take a moment to thank the team over at Thryzer for supporting this month's podcast sessions. Thryzer is a payment platform that you have to check out if you are a private pay therapist and accepting out-of-network benefits. It basically helps clients save on therapy up front. Thryzer can help verify a client's out-of-network benefit ahead of the first session so that they get transparency up front on what their out-of-pocket costs will be. I'll tell you more about Thryzer here in the middle of our session, but if you go to sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, you actually end, then enter the code STC upon sign up, you get your first $2,500 in fees waived. Again, that's over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, and be sure to enter the promo code STC. So we'll jump right into today's podcast session. Hello, hello. Welcome to today's session of Selling the Couch. I hope that you're doing well, having a fantastic day. So today is a coaching call. This is actually something we're trying to do more regularly here on the STC podcast and uh, I'm joined by Katie Lear from katielear.com. Katie is a therapist in private practice down in uh, outside of Charlotte, North Carolina. And Katie's actually part of was part of our online course school live cohort when we did the online course school cohort. But we're actually integrating the on- online course school curriculum uh, into the online course mastermind this year. And Katie's actually a member of the mastermind and will be continuing us with us uh, into the upcoming year as well. And, um, you know, Katie and I have been just, just chatting. And one of the things that she's mentioned is, you know, she's getting ready to do the beta launch of her group. And soon after the beta launch, there will be uh, the actual recording of the, digi- the digital version of the course. This is something that I would highly recommend um, it's something that we teach because if you go straight to recording the digital version, one, you won't have data in terms of what lessons and modules are going to resonate the most for folks. And so you may end up like over-recording stuff and kind of overwhelming students. And two, um, if you want to have you know great case studies and testimonials and stuff, like the beta group is a great way to get that. Um, and you know, in our mastermind, we sh- you know share sort of ethical ways to do that, all of that kind of stuff. But there's, Katie has run into this sort of concern where, you know, one of the things that she's struggling with is, you know, I need to record like an amazing version of this course, right? And if I don't, then it's not worth putting it out there. But related to that, there is this fear of once she's been sitting down to actually create the slides for this course, this thought of like, what do I put on there? I don't know what to do. And we're just going to have an open and honest conversation about that. Uh, as you know, you know from STC, I try to just be open and honest about my own journey as a course creator and my own journey as a business owner. And so there's going to be a lot of, uh, you know, vulnerable, slightly awkward <laughs> things in, uh, in today's conversation. So we're really excited to share this with you. We'll get right into today's coaching call. Here's my conversation with Katie Lear from katielear.com. Hey, it's Melvin. Before we jump into today's podcast session, just wanted to take a moment to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for taking the time to listen to this podcast and taking the time out of your day to listen. 
you know, when I launched this podcast back in 2015, it was done with a lot of fear and a lot of uncertainty. And I just never realized the impact that it would have on so many. And uh, for that, I'm just so humbled and so grateful. If you do find the podcast helpful, if you could do a small favor for me, which is to subscribe to the Selling the Couch podcast, the best way to do that is to go to sellingthecouch.com forward slash listen and subscribe on your favorite channel and on your favorite device. Practically, this allows the podcast to be able to reach more people, uh, for us to increase our download numbers, which also helps us to land bigger guests so that we can serve you through these guest interviews. Have a wonderful day, and I hope that you enjoy today's session. Hey, Katie, welcome to Selling the Couch. Hello. Thank you. I am so excited to be here. It's kind of surreal to be uh, on the call after listening to so many. Yeah, no, I know. I appreciate you. And even before jumping in, I one, I'm just so grateful for you for the ways. I mean, we've gotten to know each other really well, I feel like, over yeah. the, the past year. And yeah, man. Uh, yeah. And I feel like, right at that point, at this point, it's a very informal <laughs> relationship. Yeah. Which I, you know, and both of us are parents with young kiddos and navigating that as well in the world of entrepreneurship and especially the world of course building. And I mean, it is it is a lot. And so one, I'm just so excited for you, uh, but I'm also equally excited for this conversation that we're going to have. Thank you so much. Yeah, I was just thinking this morning before I hopped on, like we probably met around this time last year was probably when we first spoke. And I remember then like thinking like, oh, I've got this baby, like he's, you know, not quite one, like really in that baby mindset. And then I watched him like run out the door for daycare today. And he's like enormous and the full toddler. And I was like, wow, time is, time has really passed. <laughs> we, are, we are in a different place than we yeah. were a year ago. Yeah, no, I, I think in, in the moment, it feels like, man, like this is like, there are definitely moments where you're like, I want this time to pass. And then yeah. the time passes. You're like, oh, where do you go? And yeah, yep. you're absolutely right. Yeah. You have been extremely busy. Uh, you've built a successful solo practice in North Carolina. Yep. Yep. And Just outside of Charlotte. Yeah. Yeah. Outside of Charlotte. You're also like a Squarespace like. <laughs> I hope I can. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, it, it's amazing what you've been able to do. I mean, you're your website, first of all, is beautiful. And, but you've done so much cool stuff with SEO. And maybe even like, let's start here, which is, I mean, tell us a little bit about your private practice and the niche that you honed in on. Yeah. And, and then we can, you know, jump into some of the other questions. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, it's a solo practice. So it's just just me hanging out in there. And I specialize in working with um, preteens, mostly preteen girls, but tweens, which I would categorize as maybe roughly eight to 13, dealing with anxiety and OCD symptoms. So that's really where I've found myself landing after some time in practice. And I mostly work from a CBT perspective. And then I incorporate a lot of play therapy into that since I'm working with, with younger kids. Um, I have just found that that age is so cool because if you do have that sort of skills oriented brain, cognitively, kids are getting to the point where they're really eager to use those skills, but they've also retained this sense of play. So I don't know, it's just never a dull moment in there. Yeah. And I've really, I've really loved that age. 
That's cool. That's uh, I mean, the combo of that, right? Like you just said mm-hmm. it so well, like not losing play, but still having the cognitive abilities, right? And yeah. developing cognitive abilities to be able to use something like CBT. Uh, how did you find that niche? Because I know part of it, I mean, I feel like for all of us, when we find niches, part of it's uh, personal experience, part of it's just tweaking. Like, I mean, tell us a little bit about that journey. Yeah. I mean, some of it was trial and error. I started out working with much younger children, which I still love, but I think I came into it as somebody who had worked as a nanny all the way through grad school. I had like 10 years of nannying experience and I loved toddlers. I loved nannying for little children and then realized in practice that working with young, young children and working with toddlers is also a ton of parenting work that really you're working with parents most of the time. And that the age that I loved to nanny and the age that I loved to counsel were were different and probably a little older. So I've kind of gradually shifted the bulk of my practice older and for a long time was really focusing on anxiety. And I think felt like OCD was something that was too complex or required really special training, which it does, or, you know, why I, there's no way that I would be able to, you know, get that kind of expertise, which is kind of interesting looking back because I also have an OCD diagnosis and was diagnosed around this age. That tween age also happens to be one of the most common times that kids get diagnosed with OCD, like the age of onset is right around that kind of seven to 13 range. And post-pandemic, I've been seeing more and more and more and more of these cases, which might be partially pandemic-influenced and might be because I also started blogging about it on my website, but realized that having that identity as like, I'm also a person with OCD is really helpful to these kids because there's so much shame, I think, around having these thoughts that feel like they're very outside of yourself. So I had put myself on a wait list for ERP training, which is exposure and response prevention. It's the CBT that's like specifically for OCD people. And it was a pediatric training. I waited two years to get into this training, finally got off the list, finally attended, and I'm just finishing that up now. So I, I feel a lot more confident to treat these cases now, and I'm really opening my practice more to OCD. Yeah, that's amazing. I feel like I wouldn't say it's like a hundred percent, but I feel like especially with a lot of solo practices, when you hone in on a niche where you're mm-hmm. speaking to a younger version of you, I yeah, just think it's so good. Like not just in the therapy room, but also in the content that you create, right? And it's yeah, there's just a different connection. So it sounds like you you share that, like yeah, OCD diagnosis with parents and with between like how like is this in the initial yeah session? is it on the website like combo i've debated this a little bit i think there might be one mention of it in passing on the website it was something that i didn't really share is on the website um i think i mentioned it in passing in my bio now but that's kind of a newish decision it's not something that i share with everyone who comes in but i have found that often sharing it with parents at intake if they're seeing these OCD symptoms has been really comforting. And then I also share it on like the IOCDF website, which is like the training body that does this ERP training. And I don't always do that for things like anxiety. Like I think there's something different about, you know, oh yeah, well, I was an anxious kid and saying like, no, I had OCD. Like this was really something that I went through, especially because I didn't get ERP as a kid. This training wasn't really as accessible yet when I was growing up. And I feel really confident 
that it would have changed things for me in a significant way if I had gotten it early in life. So I really, there's a belief for me behind why the treatment works. And like, I can feel really confident saying like, this is what I would have wanted for me or for my kid. And it's a hard, it's a hard treatment to do. It's, it's exposure, right? You're facing things you don't want to really don't want to do. So I think having somebody who has that experience has been helpful for kids even to buy into like, why would I put myself through this? Yeah. Uh, I think like how you said it, I think it's so good because there's like this stigma or the shame around it. And then just to be able to say like, yes, I, I took this training, but it's meaningful to me because like, this is something that would have been so helpful for me. Right. I feel like that's a different conversation or is a different heart to that conversation yeah Um, yes yeah yeah I can't quite say like oh I did it and it changed my life but I can look back and say man I ended up kind of like exposure therapying you know later in life just through life but that if it had come earlier it would have made things so much easier and it would have been so much easier to understand what was happening so yeah I started self-disclosing when I started taking on more OCD cases and found it to be really helpful. And I think like a lot of us, I'm kind of gradually self-disclosing more the further I get out of out of grad school. And it, it has just felt right to do that with this specific group of kids. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I'm glad you mentioned that because I, I do notice, I do notice that general trend of like, as we get further away from grad school, maybe it's sort of the season nature of it, right? Or yeah. It's like it's guided by heart versus just fear maybe yeah but that's really cool uh i wanted to shift a little bit and you know because we're going to spend a, the majority of our time yeah. here talking through your course and some of the things that you're navigating and struggling with so tell us okay private practice mm-hmm. where is this leap into online courses because that is yeah. not a natural leap or although i think no. it's becoming more normal but you know yeah it it was certainly not my plan when I went into practice. My plan when I went into practice was, man, maybe if I play my cards right, I'll make as much as I did at my agency job. Like that was the goal was if I could just replace my agency income, then I'll be really happy. And like that was that was the bar for me, which I did. And with the sort of like puttering around on Squarespace and SEO, kind of accidentally built a much more robust website than I had anticipated. And something that I love about SEO is that like, it is really gratifying and that you can just chip away and do a tiny bit at a time. And it's almost like investing money. Like over time, you just see this kind of snowball effect of how it grows. And I really loved that. Um, You did not have to be an expert coming in. So yeah, I ended up with this big, big website that was getting lots and lots and lots of referrals. I didn't really want to become a group practice, but I was getting all of these people looking for counseling. And that all happened right around the same time that my son was born. And I was going to take a maternity leave. And we were in the early pandemic. And I was like, oh, man, like, like, not only am I getting more referrals than I can take, I'm about to leave for three months. And then I'm going to come back and probably never want to see as many clients again as I'm seeing now. Like I could already feel myself getting pretty tired. Um, And so at that point I made a baby course where I, I think I built it in a week and I 
had this fire under my butt because I was so anxious and there was so much that was outside of my control at that time. And I just sat down and was like, and like wrote out this whole thing. Right. And wasn't expecting it to really be a true source of passive income for me. But that course has done fairly well, given that I don't really market it and it just kind of hangs out on the website and I, you know, haven't gone back and updated it or given it any like extra love since that time. It's it's me speaking over PowerPoint slides. Um, it's pretty low key. But now that I am in this toddler parenting world, I think as a lot of us are, I'm realizing that my capacity for one-to-one work is lower than it used to be. Mm. I love the idea of being able to reach kids who either I wouldn't be able to see because I'm at capacity or they live too far away or they're in a rural area where it's harder to find therapists. I think it's it's such a unique win-win where it really is of value to a lot of people and it helps me to be able to spend more time with my son and, you know, not have to give away all of my after school hours, which are also his after school hours. And like, I get a lot more balance in life. So I think it, it sort of arose out of pre-baby anxiety and just needing an outlet for that. But I'm, I'm ready to go back now and, and build it into something bigger. Yeah, I'm so glad you said this because like... I don't know. I mean, I think we've all seen this, like, right? There are coaches programs out there and it's like the online course, like they sell the dream and the dream is often these like things that most therapists like doesn't really connect, right? Like, yeah, you know, just sitting on some beach, whatever, right? That's sort of the <laughs> typical, right? But I think for most of us, it's like, you know, how we have specialized knowledge and how do we sort of serve many with that mm-hmm. with that specialized knowledge because ultimately for all of us like i think we want to live out the self-care we preach to our clients right we want to spend more time with our loved ones you know many of us have young kiddos so it's like how do we build a life around our life versus like yeah you know doing career and then fitting all the other stuff around the career yeah yeah that's something that that is something that that you say a lot that I think about, which is building the career around your life rather than building life around the career, which is like such a simple thing. But like the more I think about it, the more I'm like, man, I really have built my life around my career and not the opposite. So like, I've really been trying now to tweak my schedule so that I do have more time in the evenings when my son is home from daycare. And I'm just noticing that like, even just having a little bit more gas in the tank is the difference for me between like, I guess he'll play by himself while I get dinner ready. And like, no, we've got 20 minutes. Like, let's do some water play. Like, let's bust out, you know, the sensory table. Like, what if we put some food coloring in this pitcher of water? And like having these little experiences that are so small, but like, that's the beach for me, right? Is like, do I have enough at the end of the day to come home and still have something in the tank for my kid? And I think with a full caseload, I I just wouldn't. I wouldn't right now. Yeah, I think you said that so well. I mean, even for me, like a practical example, right? We had like, oh, it was Taco Monday. I know we're recording this yeah. on Tuesday. It should technically be Taco Tuesday. But, you know, like we've noticed Chloe's just getting more into, she watches me. Like I usually end up just cooking most of our, our dinners because of just schedules. But we've noticed like, you know, she's had more interest in it. And so there, 
So, you know, I was, uh, I'm like, oh gosh, should I be letting my four-year-old like, you know, use different things, you know, like uh, the spiralizer or whatever, right? But, you know, kind of let her immerse in it. But I, I all that to say, like, I think if I was so stressed out with yeah. clients, um, and then I would approach dinner, it would just be like, this is a thing we just got to get done. Like, yes. I don't think I would have the patience to be like, okay, look, let daddy show you how to use the spiralizer and, you know, I'll watch you and you bought her mm-hmm. these like little, uh, what do they call them? Silicone, but like these knives. Yes. Like, yeah. Like safe knives. And yeah, I just wouldn't have that. And I think that's, that's so cool that you mentioned that. So yeah. No, it's absolutely, I've had those months where I'm in survival mode where it's just like, we just got to get it done, man. Like, <laughs> here's, your, here's your dinner. Like, please just eat it. Like, we just got to get through this. Right. And it's not, I don't want to like white knuckle my way through this. You don't, you don't get another, another shot. So yeah, yeah it is the work-life balance. I think of having two ways to reach people that I think can both have genuine benefits and like they're, they're different, but not, you know, one isn't lesser than is, is exciting to me. Yeah, hundred percent. So, I want to dive into where yeah. we're, we're going to spend time talking about. So, tell us about the course idea, and tell us yeah. about an area that you're struggling with. Yeah. So the the baby course that I have right now is a, a collection of coping skills that are sort of like what I often front load my first few sessions with when I'm working with anxious kids. So my thought process was, you know, what can this be something where if a child has mild anxiety, they may not really need true counseling they just need these skills that they can work on with with a parent at home or is this something that they can at least have to get them started as they're searching for a therapist in a market where there might be a wait to get in and so it's it's a pretty straightforward series of coping skills that are the ones that i have found most effective with tweens and some psychoeducation about anxiety and then one hour is for kids designed for kids to watch and then one hour is for parents talking about how to use those skills. And then also some parenting stuff, like, are we accidentally accommodating anxiety? And, you know, how can you speak to kids in a way that's validating, but isn't, you know, encouraging rumination and all that, all that good stuff. Something I think I realized going through online course school with, with you and with our cohort was that just doing the content I had was something that I already was like, not as excited about. Like I would have been building something that I already felt like I'd kind of done. And like, do you want to build a product that you already feel like you're like over? And so something that's been really exciting to me is incorporating more elements of role play, pop and geek culture, and some kind of a little bit more of a playful flavor into this course. I also run these Dungeons and Dragons groups for kids online. And I think that that role play element is so helpful in figuring out how to actually apply the skills. And so I have this idea of revamping and expanding the content, but then also including these modules that are like choose your own adventure stories where you have opportunities to almost do like simulated in vivo, right? Where like, it's probably going to be like text-based in this first round, but like getting a scenario and trying out the skills you've just learned to see what might play out in a given situation. If you're trying these different coping skills, what might work, what might not work, right? Common pitfalls and just having kind of a fun, no pressure way to play these skills out in advance. Um, Because I think so often kids don't practice them until they really need them. And ideally we want them to practice before. So like, how do we make that fun and interesting. So that idea really excites me. 
And then someday I probably will incorporate some ERP as well once I really feel like I am solid in that. But yeah, it's sort of a more playful look at at CBT skills. Yeah, that's awesome. And then, you know, I know one of the things that we had talked about was, you know, you've kind of thought through the lessons, the modules, but now you're at this point of like recording or you actually even creating the slides. Yeah. Uh, Tell us a little bit about that and where you're getting stuck and maybe we can like workshop some of this together. Hi there. I hope that you're enjoying today's podcast session. Before we get to the rest of this session, just wanted to let you know that we have a weekly email newsletter. It's called the STC Newsletter. I know, super creative, but we've literally been sending it pretty much every week since 2015. It's at this point now trusted by over 2,700 clinicians. And each week we share the latest podcast episode, some of the writing that I'm uh, doing on LinkedIn with regard to my journey as a course creator and making this transition from psychologist in clinical practice to online creator and uh, owner of an online business. And we also included a brand new section called On Mel's Mind, where I break down a blog post or a video or something that's inspiring me to become a better person and a better business owner. If any of that uh, sounds interesting, I would love to have you sign up. You can sign up over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash newsletter. We also have a bunch of different guides that we include. Uh, the current one that we have is an A to Z online course guide. So if you sign up through there, you get that guide absolutely free. It basically takes all of the lessons that I've learned as a course creator since 2015 and um, growing my own online course to over 270 students and over $315,000 in revenue. Just many of the uh, lessons, but more importantly, the epic fails I've learned along the way. Again, it's over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash newsletter, and we'll get right back to today's session. Yeah, I have like what I'm calling blank page syndrome, where like I have all of the content mapped out. You know, in OCS, we did this really beautiful like post it note exercise, and they're still on the wall, and I look at them all the time, and it looks great. I know exactly the content that I want to teach. Um, and I feel like I have loaded myself up on research. I've done so many CEUs, I've expanded things so much, I have all of these notes, like. I am over-prepared to create the course, but there's some kind of a block happening for me where I can't translate all of that knowledge into I'm sitting in front of a blank slide and what goes on this slide. Like how much do I write out in advance versus how much am I just speaking extemporaneously? How much information per slide? How do I mix it up so they don't all look the same, you know, like Mm -hmm. the sameness of it to make it engaging? And I think it's something I'm much more aware of this time around. How do I make this engaging content and how do I break it up so that it's not just the monotony of me speaking? But I I think it's very intimidating to get started on that when you're just looking at the blank slide. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And then you said like a a point, which is something I struggled with too when I created, you know, the Health Casters course, which is, you know, I feel like most of us, right, that are creating online courses, we're like learners at heart, right? And yeah. so you said it, like you've you've taken all these different courses, these CEUs. Yeah. I think it's almost like this, I almost call it like the curse of overknowledge, right? Like, so you mm-hmm. have all of this stuff, 
but then like you don't how do you put that in a course but in a way that yeah. doesn't overwhelm you or them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right like yes uh and i wonder if like a little shift right would be more about like so a couple of things one is versus like i got to get all of this stuff into my course yeah what if you are more of like the distiller right and you're sort of taking the little pearls of wisdom right like the one thing you took from one you know one ceu thing right and you're the person that distills it but leaves it through your own personal experience yeah that, right like so i don't know it, it feels um i don't i don't have a great image for this but like part of it it sounds like maybe there's like this tremendous pressure like i got to be the person that distills it so yeah or this has to be like the course like yeah. this iteration of the course has to be the really good one the yeah. really really good one yeah. and i don't know that i had that pressure the last time i built it because it was just a random idea that i had and i was meeting a, a kind of immediate yeah need but yeah. now i'm like okay this time yeah. it's got to be really right. good <laughs> yeah. uh, i think that you bring up a really good point which i think is a very common thing so i think people that have created one course right they set the barometer for the second course to line uh-huh. up with like well listen you already got one it better be like at uh, least to this level but likely like significantly better yeah um so that's like one thing um but i think the other thing that's been really helpful for me and this is hard work because like i am a perfectionist i know that's something that you know like you struggle with as well yeah. which is seeing it more as um like a journey right where there will be different iterations of the course right and there will yeah. be things that you tweak and refine right versus the first one being the end product because the reality is no matter how much you study how many CU workshops you attend how many times you diagram and workshop there's just going to be feedback that we'll only get from our students that, that we just yeah. can't predict right and yeah. part of that is that's letting holding loosely and letting go right like it's so hard though yeah no the perfectionism is for sure a part of this and actually like even thinking back to some of the like ocd and perfectionism overlap like this was a huge thing for me in school anytime we had like an unstructured writing assignment like i was really good when there was structure but if it was just like a a reaction paper i would often just not turn it in like Mm. i don't know my teacher's gonna think it's really bad and then she's gonna think i'm really bad so i might as well not turn it in which makes very little sense but I did it all the time and so like that is something that I've had to figure out as an adult of like how do I build my own structure into things where there is none so that I can do things like blog or send out a newsletter or whatever like I need an internal structure that I have built but I feel like I've just accepted being cringy in those formats a little bit more than in the course which feels so big and so permanent like if i send out a cringy newsletter like it's gone in 30 seconds Mm -hmm. right but this feels very like it's a it's a bigger deal and it's something that people invest in yeah yeah uh so is it the i guess let's break that down a little bit more is it the financial piece because there's going to be a larger investment or is it because like might be actually like i had it considered it but i think that might be part of it it's like yeah people are going to pay good money for this right yeah. so maybe it does feel like there's more pressure than content i'm giving away for free yeah um which i can totally understand that i i think 
I don't know. I was thinking, I mean, I mean, you know this story, but like for those of you guys who are listening, you know, when I created the Healthcasters course, like some of it was kind of good that I was a little naive because I probably wouldn't have ever released it. But there's one video where I'm sharing how to record, like how to use a podcast mic and how to set it up. And I just didn't get the memo on like a tire. So I'm sitting here yeah. wearing like a Batman shirt, right? From the movie <laughs> The Dark Knight. And, you know, I've got my old microphone, which had like a purple light coming off it. So this mm-hmm. light is like shining on my light. So it's like I'm like Batman, but recording this thing, right? And, and you know, I look at it now and I like totally cringe. Yeah. In that moment, like I've gotten so many nice notes because, yeah. Like, I think in our mind as course creators, we think it has to be like Hollywood level production at the onset. Mm-hmm. But actually what matters is heart and intent, right? And yeah. And you have that, right? And, yeah. Um and worst case, I know it's I would actually even say like a newsletter you send out, right? Like in some ways you can't pull that newsletter back, right? No. But with a course. You can actually swap out modules, re-record That's stuff. True. You know, yeah, that is uh, absolutely true. Yeah, even just I think reframing it for myself of like in my head, it's been like this has to be like you know coping skills course yeah. 2.0, right? Yeah. It's this yeah. the next like version of the like, authority course. Yeah, right. what if it's like 1.5? Like, what if it's just the goal is to <laughs> make 1. it 1. like. Yeah. What if it's just like a little bit better than what's yeah. there right now? Like, what if it doesn't have to be, you know this monolithic like this is it i don't touch it again for five years but like what if we just like you know add some video content and yeah. put in a little bit of new stuff and like that's enough yeah that's 100%. that it, it can evolve yeah. yeah uh i'm like keenly aware of like that image you shared earlier of like now turning in the assignments yes right? and it this feels <laughs> like that right like it's almost like yeah this feels so big so let me just not record it because that just seems way safer. Yeah. Right? Uh, there's, I don't know, for, and I could just totally be projecting this. So like, correct me. But, you know, one thing I've struggled with is this sort of fear of judgment. Like if something's not, like if I'm aware, like this could be better, but I'm giving like what I'm capable of doing right now. Like I'm afraid somebody will like call me out on that. Yes. Yes. Yeah, very much so. I think there's definitely a fear of that. And in some ways, I think as I've, I don't think like following is the right word, but as my, as my website has ranked higher and as people have visited more, in some ways there's more pressure now where like at first when I was blogging, it was like, I'm screaming into the void. No one will ever read this. Like it doesn't have to be good. (laughs) It just needs to be there. Like no one will see it. And now that I do get people responding to blogs or responding to the course and it's generally like, I don't think I've ever gotten a mean email. Like I thought this blog was poorly written. Like nobody's ever said that, but I think there's a heightened awareness as you grow of like, I can't trust, I can't trust anymore that I'm just screaming into the void and no one will see it like people are gonna see it people will read it and yeah when you're thinking about kids who are anxious and parents who are struggling like people who are in a tough spot are gonna read it and so I don't know sometimes I fall back on that like do no harm thing where I'm like as long as I'm not actively giving bad advice or saying things that are gonna hurt people I'm at peace with the fact that it probably won't help everyone right because that's just not that's yeah. not how any of this works. Yeah. The other side of it is, I mean, 
this is stuff I'm learning with STC. I'm again so naive to so much of this, but like as influence grows, right? Like statistically, you will always attract people that will be disappointed, uh-huh. right? With what you put out there. That is really hard for anyone that struggles with perfectionism and or people pleasing and or like just wants to genuinely put stuff out there, you know? Like I remember, I mean, just even to bring this home, I remember last year I created a Twitter thread and um, it ended up going like viral. I think it ended up getting like half a million views or something, some crazy amount. Wow. Um, Had a lot of really nice comments on it, right? And then there was one comment and said, you know, something about like, I don't exactly remember, but it was like a, a comment that was just meant to be hurtful. And that one just stuck with me. Like, you know, like I magnified that one completely, like negated the 45 other comments, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, all that to say, I wonder what it would just be like to accept that even with your best effort, right? There may be somebody that's just disappointed, hurt, like, you know? even yes you know buy the course and then be like this is crap but it probably has yeah. nothing to do with you and then yeah. they're like you know i wonder what it would be like just to be okay with that that was actually weirdly comforting to hear like what if i was just at peace with the fact that like some people aren't gonna like it or somebody someday will ask for a refund or yeah, which is gonna happen yeah maybe, there know? might be a there could be a part of it that just doesn't work the first time and i have to redo it like what if that just was built in like that's part of it but actually it's very comforting of like some parts of it are just not going to be as good yeah and i'll I mean, figure that out yeah i mean it's the same yeah. as like sort of a parallel process therapy right there's yeah. no matter how good the work we do right there will inevitably mm-hmm. be no shows there will inevitably be clients that fire us right mm-hmm. like and sometimes it's things that we could have done better other times it's things that is you know their things right mm-hmm. and i don't know it's just it is, but I will tell you, yeah, you're absolutely right. Like it's the hardest thing to be okay with, you know? Yeah. Uh, and not personalizing it. I think that's a big one, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, the not personalizing it is hard. I've had that same thing of like, I think I told myself when I started like posting on Instagram and Facebook, like no one's going to say anything for a really long time. Like you've got to be really big before you start getting those kinds of like weird comments and that has not been the case man i feel like i was lied to and that i'm like <laughs> no you don't need a ton of people to have somebody feel you know yeah. emboldened to like say something yeah. weird back like it happens a lot yeah yeah absolutely i mean this is i mean this is the nature of social media i'm learning yeah. right like it is a wonderful tool because it can help share our message in big ways and yet yeah. at the same time it also means we attract the general population, right? Statistically, right? Yeah. There's going to be times where, you know, it may not be a, an easy person, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. We've got about like just a couple of minutes, but there was another piece I know we had talked about, which was the sitting in front of the slides. Yes. What to put on there. Yes. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Because, I mean, I think this is something that a lot of our colleagues struggle with. I I think so too. I believe that like, in talking with other course creators, I think this is something that other people have experienced, but like, you know, for me, it's, it's I, I know the content that's going to go in this module, or I know what has to be on this, this 
set of slides, but there's something just so on a practical level of like, how much of this do I script out to read for myself? How much of what I'm saying needs to be on the slide? How prepped do I want to be? Right? How much information goes on each thing? Right? Like just the, the practicality of what do I put on it? I know the concept and how do I turn that into a concrete thing is very daunting yeah. for me at right. times of just right. like, you know, do, am I spending too much time on introducing it? Or is it one slide per coping skill? Or, you know, I sometimes wonder, like, do I just need to come up with like a silly arbitrary structure for myself of like every module is going to have two talking heads in it and two where it's just me in the bottom and like one that's just text or like something for me where I'm arbitrarily dividing up the content and then I can be flexible if I need to be. Yeah, man, I have a ton of thoughts on this. Can I just like shoot them? Yes, please. So in terms of structure, like, and, and worrying, like, should I be on camera? Is it just slides only? Should I do a hybrid? I would just vary it up and I don't yeah. even have a rhyme or reason of like uh-huh. why certain ones are. Uh-huh. The thing I mainly think about is just mixing it up for so that people aren't watching like module after module and just sort of uh-huh. like, you know, just like staring, but not cons- not actually picking up. Uh-huh. So I wonder if a simple structure could be first video is going to be just me, me talking. Yeah. Second video is going to be slide only. Third one is you know, slide with me, me on the corner and then just yeah. rinse and repeat that same pattern uh-huh. over and over. Um, and don't even worry about it. Cause then, and then, you know, as you sort of get feedback, there may be folks like, Oh, you know, I don't know, maybe you get feedback that, you know, Hey, this would have been cool if you actually demonstrate this. Right. And so yeah. maybe it was only a slide only. So then you turn that one in the next iteration into a you talking and into a demonstration all that to say like i think there's just information we don't know yet that i think Uh just putting something out there and just following a simple format i think would be good yes i'm even thinking like i've got the post-its already lined up so like maybe i now just go through and i'm like next to this one is the post-it that's like this is just me this is text only this is you know yeah and then i mean the structure i think is a common struggle I know one of the things that, you know, we learned in OCS that we're integrating to our mastermind is this sort of format, which is a simple one is just to say, just to say, hey, hey everyone, in this video, we're going to be covering this topic, right? So you can do it like either like a, just a statement, or you can do like almost like a comment, you know, hey, everyone, uh, in this video, I know a lot of us may be wondering how in the world do you record with a podcast mic? In this video, I'm going to show you how to do that. Uh-huh. And then, so a little intro, a little brief story, I think can be helpful, right? Related to that, because people remember stories, right? Because there is so much information out there. And then I think this, the simple thing is like three tips. Like, I mean, that's the, and then uh, uh, you can do after the three tips, you can do like a common mistake. You don't yeah. need to. And then just a simple call to action. So basically... Introduce with a question, a story, three tips, common mistake, and Uh a call to action. Yeah, I love that. You know, yeah, and maybe for these skills too, it's really like, can I try to distill the coping skill into like a three-step process, right? If it's like step one, step two, step three, you know, and 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 try not to make it this real lengthy, like, yeah, hundred percent, yeah, 
one of the things that we'll do um, for the mastermind for this year, we didn't do it in OCS, but there's this little exercise called and then what? So basically, like you you can do this with uh, a trusted friend, but if you're trying to teach something, like let's say, um, you know, my example, right? I'm teaching from not being able to podcast to starting a podcast. So what you do is um, you just talk to a friend and then, okay, and they ask, well, what's the first thing of starting a podcast? Well, you need to grab a mic, okay? And then what do I need to do, right? And just and just have that person say, and then what, and then what? And as they say it um, and you respond, you just make a note and essentially you're creating a little roadmap, right? And that yeah. can help distill stuff that is actually the essential stuff versus what we think is the essential stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I'm hoping too that that is where like, the beta will be really helpful. It's like, well, maybe it's okay if I don't know exactly how to explain it now because I need to explain it to my yeah. my audience, right? <laughs> like, yeah. like it, it, it. Maybe that will become clear what some of those points are that I'm missing yeah. when I'm teaching that online. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, Katie, our time flew. Um, yeah. Thank you for doing this. You know, I feel like I love having these conversations, and I mean, the one thing I think. I always take away from conversations like this there we're all learning still right there's mm-hmm. no like you know no one i think has arrived you know right? yeah and there's yeah. so many especially in a world of course building there's so many nuances to consider um where can we learn about you about the course and yeah well you can go to katielear.com to get kind of information on the counseling get information on the course i have a book on childhood grief that you can also learn about through the website. So lots of stuff there. Um, I actually just created a free guide this week that has five of my favorite coping skills from the course in just a downloadable guidebook format if you join the mailing list, which will also be where I tell people as I get ready to host this live version of the course in the spring that will ultimately lead to this coping skills 1.1 or 1.5. (laughs) later this year whatever whatever number feels less intimidating (laughs) to me yeah so i would say the website and then the mailing list are probably the places to go for that perfect um katie i'm super grateful for you uh thank you again for doing this and have a great rest of your day thank you so much yeah this has been such a a treat i'm genuinely excited to go back to those post-it notes all right bye Hey there, I hope that you enjoyed today's session. Uh, Thank you again for taking the time to listen all the way through. If you are a therapist and you're specifically in a season where you're a seasoned therapist and you are wanting to move from clinical to online course income, we actually have a specific mastermind for therapists who are doing this. So this is basically a group of really kind and supportive therapists who are also wildly successful as business owners. And we we meet together Uh, to build and grow and scale our online courses. You can learn more about that mastermind over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash mastermind, all one word, sellingthecouch.com forward slash mastermind. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to today's session. Hey there, hope you enjoyed uh, this coaching call with Katie and especially if you have been struggling with, you know, the whether it's perfectionism or whether it's the fear of being seen or the fear of judgment um, as you put your online course out into the world. I hope that today's session has just been genuinely helpful for you. Uh, I 
you know, I speak so much from personal experience, even this podcast, I never imagined doing something like this. I, I got licensed as a psychologist in 2012, and I thought all I was going to literally do was therapy, assessment, supervision, and teaching. Never thought about podcasting. Never thought about, you know, I was going to launch an online course. Never thought I was going to, you know, transform my clinical skill set into an online business. And so I just, more than anything, I love creating episodes like this because they show us what is possible and they show us when what is possible when we tap into sort of our inner child and that inner creative child and just different ways that we can use our skill set. Katie's website is over again at Katie Lear. Lear is spelled L-E-A-R.com. And uh, you definitely got to go check out this website because it's just beautifully designed and uh, yeah. And, uh, and Katie's just doing some pretty, pretty amazing stuff on it. I was thinking about this conversation and the one thing that I, I took away you know, from it is this idea of perfectionism, right? Like so many of us as clinicians struggle with this because I don't know if it's just, you know, trauma. I don't know if it's like messages from society, uh, messages in our families of origin, uh, probably all combinations of all of those, right? Fear of rejection and this is the stuff that I think when we start building courses, it's it's an amazing and interesting thing that how it manifests. Um, we're actually in the middle of you know launching our online course school, our online course mastermind, and I notice a lot of this stuff coming up. And I've had to be really intentional about my therapy and about brain spotting to do this work, and uh, because you know it's hard, it's hard showing up in new and different ways, and. I'm I'm just so proud of Katie for the ways that you know she's sh- choosing to show up and um yeah it definitely just takes a, a different level of courage. If you are interested in launching an online course and you want to stay updated with regard to our online course mastermind, this is specifically for us that are more seasoned as business owners, but we're just in a a season where we want to use our skill set in different ways, you can check out um, the A to Z online course guide for therapists. It's absolutely free. You can download it and we'll keep uh, we'll keep you in the loop. Uh, you can download that over at signthecouch.com forward slash online course guide. Have a great rest of your day and I'll see you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Selling the Couch podcast. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit www.sellingthecouch.com. So if you've been listening to the STC podcast for a while, or you've been listening to podcasts and you've had this thought of, Mel, I would love to launch my own podcast in order to grow my business. Just wanted to encourage you to check out our free podcasting workshop, which is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop. You can basically sign up at a day and a time that works for you. It's 90 minutes. And when I do these workshops or when I record them, I truly believe in the quality teaching, so it's going to be well worth your time. We're going to go through gear recommendations and how to launch strategically and how to think about monetizing your podcast and how to line up your podcast with your existing offers and how to do it strategically and authentically uh, and not salesy and slimy um, and all of those things. So again, the link is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop.